Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, the great comfort of being a child of God, and especially in uh, our current climate, is that every day we awaken with the security of the fact that God reigns in the kingdom of man. Now, this does not grant us any immunity from trial or trouble, uh, but it does guarantee that it will always be well with our souls. And man, as a being, needs that kind of stability. Uh, to live joyfully in this world, we need that kind of stability. And we are blessed beyond measure to have God as our stability. The psalmist declares in Psalm 62, verse 7, he says, In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. And certainly the psalmist understood that God is uh, stability and thank God for him uh, giving us calm and peace and hope and all of the things that we need to live uh, in this life. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention uh, again this morning to the text that was read into our hearing there in Romans chapter 8. We want to read again there in Romans 8, verse number 34. Paul says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Based on the words of the apostle here in Romans chapter 8, we want to use this morning as a subject because he lives. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Romans chapter 8, to say that we live in troubled times and that we live in a world that is traveling a dangerous road is an understatement. Many things are changing in our world and not necessarily for the better. Some of the change is even evidenced by the new terminology. Uh, by now, all of us are well acquainted uh, with the term social distancing, uh, self-quarantine, and safe at home. I, I don't know where you've been uh, over the last uh, uh, six months if you have no idea what these terms are. And I would venture that if people were asked to rank the most challenging years of their living, 2020 would make the top five on quite a few people's list. I mean, if you look at the things that have gone on thus far this year, I mean, Rona by itself is enough to make 2020 be on a lot of people's top five. And when we look at not just uh, the current pandemic, but, but all of the things that are going on uh, in our world today, and it's not like things haven't gone on before, but we're living right now. And if we look at all of the things that are going on right now, I, I believe a word of exhortation, a, a word of encouragement, a word of hope is always in order and especially now in light of the present uh, affairs. 
And when we look at Romans chapter 8, uh, the words of the apostle here in Romans 8 are as encouraging as any words we may find. When we look at what Paul has to say here in Romans 8, uh, he declares that Jesus has died for our sins, was raised from the dead, which fact proves that God accepted him as our sacrifice, he ascended to the Father and now sits at the right hand of God, which is a position of authority, and intercedes for us. I, I wonder how much thought we give to that. Uh, uh, Jesus, who is the Savior of mankind, sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us. And to say that Jesus lives it is a markedly different statement uh, than can be said about any other life for uh, the whole of the Christian faith and the whole of the Christian hope is predicated upon the fact that Jesus lives. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 13 and 14, Paul says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. And, and Paul is saying, if Jesus doesn't live, then we might as well just dig a hole and jump in for all the good that that would do. And, and I submit to you that if we are going to experience life more abundantly, if we're going to weather the storms of life, then our perspective must always be to see things in light of the redemptive work of, of Christ Jesus. Now, now, preacher, what are you saying? when you look at how things are going in our world today, I, I don't know about you, but some things to me just seem to be pretty cut and dry, but, but they don't always play out that way uh, in life. And, and I try to remember that people will be people. Do you remember God in Psalm 103 verse 14? God said that, uh, uh, the Bible says there that God remembers that we're just dust. You know, God is merciful to us because we're just dust. And when you think about dust, you know, dust won't always do the right thing. Dust won't even always admit the right thing. Now, now I, I believe with everything in me, we, we ought to work for what's right and we ought to do what's right ourselves. Uh, but whatever happens in this life, this world is not my home. Now, this world is not my home but I do have to live here for the present. And since we have to live here for the present, I'm glad that Jesus lives. Jesus, because of who he is and what he has done and what he is doing, makes living worthwhile. If you look there with me in your Bibles at Romans 8 and verse number 31, Paul says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And I submit to you, number one this morning, that because he lives, we can have confidence and appreciate the promises of God don't just have implication on eternity. They have implications for today. The things that God has promised us are not just true about the next life. God has promised us some things that are true in this life. What we need to appreciate is that God doesn't just exist. He is actively involved in our lives. This is the point of the great statement in verse number 28. 
Uh, you know, verse number 28 is almost a, a, a memory verse for just about everybody. Paul says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, how do we know that, Paul? Because Jesus lives and God is actively involved in our lives, not just in the life to come, but he's actively involved in our lives today. And, and that just ought to make a difference in, in how we live. We ought to live with some confidence because God is actively involved in my life. You know, when, when somebody is present and, and you're aware of their presence, don't you just live in a little different way? I remember when I was younger, now, I, on my own behalf, I, I tried to be on my best behavior all the time, but you know how life is. You aren't always on your best behavior. But whenever my mother was around and I was aware of her presence, I, I lived uh, uh, on my best behavior. Well, well, if we live with an awareness that, that God is present and that God is actively involved in our living, shouldn't it make a difference in our lives? And I don't just mean be on our best behavior because God is watching. We ought to be on our best behavior anyway. But, but I can live with some confidence in spite of corona and in spite of all the other things that are going on in our world today. I can be confident that it's well with my soul because God is actively involved in my life today. And, and we need to remember uh, not to judge life by the circumstances and what it looks like. You know, looks like can be very misleading, and we reach all kinds of wrong conclusions when we judge by looks like. Uh, uh, when you look at our current state of affairs, what is there to be joyous about? Well, well, if you just go by looks like, it doesn't look like there's too much to be joyous about. When we read the Bible account, if we went by look like, you know, the Bible would read very different. I, I recall there was a time when the Israelites and the Philistines came together uh, uh, to do battle, and, and the Philistines had a giant of a champion named Goliath, and, and nobody in Israel wanted to go out and fight with Goliath because looks like said it was a losing cause. Even Saul, who was bigger than the rest of the Israelites and who was the king, when Paul looked at Goli uh, Saul, when he looked at Goliath, Saul let look like influence uh, him, and nobody would go out to meet uh, uh, the giant of Gath. David, on the other hand, David didn't approach it by looks like. And can you remember what Saul said about David going by look like? Uh, if I could paraphrase, uh, you're a little run of a fellow. You can't go out there and fight that big giant of a man. Uh, of the smart money would be on Goliath every time. But David was not only willing to face Goliath, he went out to meet him with confidence. Uh, you know, every time you do something, you don't necessarily do it with confidence. Uh, you do it sometime by compulsion or, or of necessity. I, I remember when we were living over on the Eastern shore. Now, now over there, it, it's a lot more rural than it is over here. And, uh, you know, I grew up in the city, and I, I don't make any qualms about it. I'm a city boy from start to finish. And when you go down there and you start living out with nature, uh, you know, I wasn't accustomed to wild animals coming into your yard. And uh, every now and then the animal would die in your yard. And uh, we had, uh, you know, animals that would die in our yard. Now, somebody's got to go out and get the animal. Well, I can't send sister cook out there. And 
I, I can't send the girls out there, and Ricky's just a little tyke. I can't send him out there either. So uh, the lot falls to me to go out there and do something about that dead animal. But, but I didn't go out there with confidence. I, I went out there out of necessity. But, but David says, I'm going to go fight Goliath, and I'm going out there with confidence. Do you remember what David said? Uh, uh, there came a lion and took one of the sheep, and God delivered me from the lion. There, there came a bear and took one of the sheep, and God delivered me from the bear. And if God can deliver me from the lion and from the bear, then he can deliver me from this giant as well. And David went out with confidence. I, I, I read elsewhere uh, uh, in my Bible that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before King Nebuchadnezzar uh, with confidence. Do you remember Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 3? He had made a decree that whoever did not bow down when they heard the music uh, didn't bow down to his golden image would be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace and Word got back to Nebuchadnezzar that these three men wouldn't bow down, and they were called in to answer for their actions. And, and you remember how they answered Nebuchadnezzar? Now, you don't just step to the king and, and, and talk to him like you're talking to one of your peers. But, but they went into Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, we are not careful to answer you in this matter, O king. Now, that wasn't arrogance. That was confidence. And, and I know it was confidence based on what they said after that. Our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't deliver us, rest assured, Nebuchadnezzar, that we are not going to bow down and worship your golden image. And one of the things I like about that text, they didn't try to predict what would happen or tell God what he had to do. You know, in this age of the prosperity gospel and name it and claim it and all of this kind of thing, there are a lot of people that, whether they appreciate it or not, are telling God how he must respond in, in a given situation. Well, well, you don't tell God what he has to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't come in and say, because we're being faithful to God, he's going to stop us from being thrown into the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, even if God allows us to go into the furnace, that's God's call. We're not going to tell God what he has to do. But even if he allows us to go into the furnace, we are not going to bow down to your golden image. They had confidence in God's power and in his faithfulness. And, and that's how we ought to live today. I'm not going to tell God how he must work things out. How things get worked out is God's call. But however God allows things to work out, I'm going to be faithful to him because I have confidence that he is a good God. And, and when I trust God's power and, and when I trust God's faithfulness, I don't undertake to declare how things should work out. I, I can't even figure out some other things. How am I going to tell God how events that affect the world ought to be worked out? But I have confidence that his will will be accomplished because he's the God who created all things and he reigns in the kingdom of men and he is ever faithful and whatever God chooses is what needs to be chosen. But then looking further there in Romans chapter 8, in verse number 33, Paul says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. When I look at the world that we live in, not only can uh, we have confidence because Jesus lives, 
but because he lives, we are justified. And, and I think I need to say there's a difference between justification and approval. To have man's approval does not mean that I'm justified in the eyes of God. See, approval indicates that you have my support, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are right. You know, dust has been known to support wrong causes. Dust has been known to approve of wayward behavior. Justification, on the other hand, means that I'm free of guilt, and the only one that can free anyone from guilt is God. But when we live in concert with the will of God, whether or not man approves becomes irrelevant because the one who really matters has justified us. And, and, and I hope we remember when it comes to righteousness, when, when it comes to morality, when, when, when it comes to human interaction, God sets the standard on what is right and, and what is wrong. And we ought to work to do what God says is right and not be concerned about man's approval. You know, some folk would say that this is pride month. Well, well, I'm not proud of everything that goes on in humanity, but, but, but I'm proud to be a child of God. And I stand with God on morality and righteousness and human interaction. And whatever God says is right, then that's where we ought to stand. And I hope we appreciate that the church and righteousness never go out of style. Now, they may fall out of favor with man, but they never go out of style as far as God is concerned. And we may not have man's approval, but we are justified in the eyes of God by the redemptive work of Christ Jesus. And we are justified in the sight of God when we remain faithful to his word. Uh, again, in your Bibles, in another place, in Galatians 1 and verse number 10, Paul declares, for do I now persuade men or God? or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And I hope we remember in the Lord's church that we don't take our stand, we don't cast our lot in things based on what seems right to man or what is popular in human thought. Our world may talk about a new morality and a progressive way of thinking, but we ought to stand on the word of God because in Christ Jesus, we are justified. And to have man's approval is temporary, but if I've read my Bible right, there's a day when they all, everybody shall have to stand before Christ Jesus and give an account of the lives that we have lived. But because Jesus lives, we are justified and we can even look forward to the judgment with confidence not because there's anything particular about me, but because I'm covered by the blood of Christ Jesus that God honors as an acceptable sacrifice for my sins. Looking further there in Romans chapter eight, uh, drop with me, if you will, down to verse number 37. Paul says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Because he lives, we are more than conquerors. When you look at the world that we live in, and I don't know if 2020 has been your most challenging year, but, but whatever time has tried your living, one of the great comforts about being a child of God is that God has already solved all of our problems. Now, we're just living through the details, 
but our end is already assured. Every problem that we have, God has already solved. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that it, it, it means that we won't go through anything or that God will always work it out the way that we want to. What I'm saying is God has already assured our end. When you think about the words of Jesus, John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry about anything. Well, why shouldn't we be worried? Because I've already solved all of your problems. Well, Lord, retrospectively, aren't you going to be crucified uh, 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 here shortly? Uh, aren't we going to run away in fear of our own lives? Uh, aren't we going to be persecuted by the Jews and, and, and other people who care not for the gospel of Christ Jesus? And the answer to all of that is yes. But let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because I've already solved all of your problems. Now, I'm going to work them out in different ways at different times, but your end is already assured. My problems are solved, but I'm living through the details. It, it, let me see if I can illustrate it to you this way. God had already given the children of Israel the promised land before they ever stepped foot out of Egypt. Now, you still got to cross the sea. You still got to do 40 years in the wilderness. You've still got to deal with the Amalekites and all the other ites out there, but I've already solved all of your problems. I've already given you the land, but you have to live through the details. Their end was already assured. I, I, I want to refer you to a passage that is quite often, I, I think, ascribed to saying something that it doesn't say. Uh, uh, but in Isaiah 54 and verse number 17, uh, there the, uh, the prophet Isaiah declares, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. This verse is not saying that I'm always right simply because I've been baptized into Christ Jesus. What this verse is saying is that the heritage of God's people, and, and this is true at any time and under any covenant, the heritage of God's people is that we are kept by God's covenant love and faithfulness. This means that God has always been God, that God is still God, and that God will always be God. And inasmuch as God is always God, his children can always trust in him. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Our end is always assured. I'm not saying you won't have trial and trouble in your living. I'm saying that even if you have trial and trouble in your living, it is well with your soul. If you think about it, this verse that was said to Israel was said to them, and they endured uh, uh, slavery again uh, uh, in uh, 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 Babylon. They, they endured oppression by the Romans. Uh, uh, they were oppressed by Adolf Hitler. Now, mind you, the covenant had been severed with them when Jesus died on the cross, and, and the church is on, and now the people of God. But even the church has endured persecution, but the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of God. See, I can have confidence. I can know that I'm justified because in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. It doesn't mean that the world will do right. 
dust is going to be dust and dust is going to do what dust does. But as Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. When you think about the things that dominate the headlines, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the corona pandemic, Jesus would say, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, the social injustice that uh, is coming more to the fore in our nation, Jesus would say, let not your heart be troubled. Now, he's not saying these things aren't issues, but what he is saying is that in spite of what dust does, and in spite of how dust may choose to deal with these things, it is well with your soul, because God, the almighty God, has determined uh, that those who live faithfully to him will one day come home to live with him eternally. And God gives us the prescription to how we can live with confidence and to know that we are justified and to be more than conquerors, even living in 2020. He requires, number one, uh, that we be baptized, uh, uh, that we hear the good news of Christ Jesus. Romans 10, 17 declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He, he requires that we believe Jesus to be the Christ. John 8, verse 24, Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. He requires us to turn from sin, to, to stop living for the approval of men, and to live our lives after the will of God. In Luke 13, 3 and Luke 13, 5, Jesus says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He requires that we confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Matthew 10, verse 32, and that we be baptized in water for the remission of sins. And when we go down into the waters of baptism uh, in response to the, the command of God, as a matter of grace and mercy, God washes away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus, indwells us with his spirit, and adds us to the church uh, of our Lord and Savior. And he requires when we come up out of the borders of baptism that we walk faithfully after his will all the days of our living uh, upon this earth. Ephesians 4.1 says that we ought to walk worthy of the vocation with which we have been called. And if you have heard the gospel message and you believe that Jesus is the Christ, and you are ready to submit yourselves to the command of God, and you want to be baptized for the remission of sins, then we invite you to reach out uh, to our leaders at elders at laurelchurch.net, and we will make provision for you to be baptized into Christ Jesus. Or perhaps you're listening and you want, to be, uh, you want the church to pray for you, then we ask you to submit your prayer request uh, so that the church can pray on your behalf. And at this time, we'll have the song of invitation.